Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5, the game, hour number three here on a Monday. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise stick to sports coming up at 845. Nashville SC conversation at the bottom of the hour, but for the next 30 minutes, we get back to what I thought was a very predictable outcome yesterday, and that is the Tennessee Titans and Carolina Panthers. Carolina wins 30-20, to and as we started the show two hours ago, I would love to come in here and start yelling and screaming and calling for people's heads, but... When I said all week that Carolina was going to win by 7 to 10 points, I mean, I kind of had the foresight that this was going to happen. So, I I mean, I think at this point it's more apathy than anger. Yeah, and it's not difficult to project things. You know, like, hey, the offensive line is going to not be able to protect the quarterback against one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. We could see that coming, and and it took place. You know, again, I know the Ryan Tannehill love affair affair was was short-lived. Ryan Tannehill is Ryan Tannehill. He's he's just a guy like Mariota, just a guy, and um, you know the defense. I think surprisingly, right? That's the most points they've given up all season. So maybe the defense was a bigger surprise than we anticipated. Malcolm Butler hurt on a touchdown catch, and looks like he's gonna. Uh, we'll find out today, I guess, if he needs surgery or not on the wrist. Uh, and then I, I, to me, the surprise is the game plan. The the thing that stands out to me was the the, the first half game plan. Shut out in the first half four times this year. That they are not good in the first half, which means they come into a game ill-prepared with an inappropriate game plan. And I don't know if that's all Arthur Smith, if that's the offensive line. It, it, you mix in the quarterback and you mix in a, a, a head coach who's a defensive guy. I, I don't know what the formula, it, where the breakdown in the formula is taking place, but the play caller is in charge of designing the offense, as far as I can tell. And Derrick Henry got two carries in the first half against the 27th best rushing defense in the NFL. They got zero points. They came out and ran the ball in the first half on the first drive, and they scored a touchdown. I, I don't. To me, it makes it so obvious to say what what are your plans coming into games because they're not working right now. D Mace in 2019, it's hard to fathom that you could go four first halves out of nine games without scoring a point in a day and age where the NFL wants offense, they promote offense. They don't allow you to play defense. You can't hit players here. You can't hit players there. There's flags left and right. You can't, the defense is is at such a disadvantage. You know, this is not like when you played in 2002 when it was an unbelievably violent game and defenses were roaming. And I mean, this day and age, you should be able to score points, and they can't do it um, in the first half of four games. Yeah, it's 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 just unfortunate um, that they haven't been able to score. Um, points because their defense has done such a good job at holding opponents at least prior to the last two weeks to holding opponents under 20 points and you haven't been consistently been able to put up over 20 points as an offense um, now you're starting to see sort of chinks in armor in regards to the defense because they're tired they got guys banged up they're losing guys war of attrition usually starts to happen you know, right about now, whichever team stays healthiest the longest has a better shot at not only making the playoffs, but, you know, getting getting to the Super Bowl. And right now it seems like all of the pressure has been put on the defense to hold it up. And now it's starting to wear on them. Um, so the offense, you know, they got to start picking it up. Um, and, you know, it, it's not going to get any easier because they're going to have to score tit for tat with Kansas City. Can it, can they do that? I don't know. The way the offensive line has played, you know, how can you give up on average three sacks a game? 
That's what you're giving up. Close to four sacks a game on average. How do you do that as an offensive line? Are you just fall? Okay, you just might as well, like I said last week, you just might as well fall down the first four plays and get it over with. And think about it. It'd be one thing if they didn't invest in their offensive line, <laughs> but Taylor Lewan makes a boatload of money. Roger Saffold makes a boatload of money. Jack Conklin was a was a an All Pro a few years ago. They've got guys that have either accomplished something or being or are being paid to accomplish something. Either way, you slice it and dice it. They're just a terrible unit. Well, and and here's what's what's strange is so last year they took a step back and they struggled. Well, okay, you could go, all right, Jack Conklin's knee's not fully healthy. There's a reason maybe they're not as good at that position. Okay, we don't have a right guard. All right, we don't have a left guard. Okay, fine. Then then you can start looking at this year, and you go, all right, Taylor Lewan, okay, he's fine. He's set at left tackle. Jack Conklin is set. He's back healthy at right tackle. We've invested $44 million in the left guard, and we used a third-round pick on a right guard. They're, like I know it takes time for groups to gel, and then, of course, the Lawan steroid suspension or, or whatever, PED suspension, Osterine, whatever, it, you know, that slowed the entire process down, and that you know, set them behind the eight ball for the first four games. But that's a part of the equation. And so you, you look at this group and you go, you can understand last year looking at this and saying, all right, they got worse, we, we need to fix it. Well, they addressed, they used resources to address it, and it hasn't worked. Uh, but But... Again, my bigger concern about yesterday's game isn't necessarily... Like, we knew the Panthers were going to be good at getting to the quarterback because they're the second-best team in the NFL at pressuring the quarterback behind only the Patriots, who also struggled yesterday, by the way. I don't know if anybody noticed that. But your game plan should have been to counteract that, which is, all right, you're going up against a team that's given up 130 yards on the ground per game, one of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL. Why are you throwing the ball on, on every possession in the first half? Why is Deion Lewis getting dedicated drives... In the first half. And Deion Lewis wasn't bad yesterday. Deion Lewis was okay. Uh, outside of the fumble, he was okay. It doesn't mean that he should be the way you start the second drive of the, of the game or whatever. Like, and, and then your field goal kicker, God forbid, uh, make a field goal at some point during the year. Somebody, who, whatever name it is, Santos, Parkey, suck up, who cares, make a kick. I, I, I don't know. To me, it's the game plan in the first half. Like you, If that game was just 10-7 at halftime, or 17-7 at halftime, and then you come out and you go down the field and you drive and you score to make it 17-14, if they had just managed one scoring drive in the first half, Mm -hmm. 17-14 in the third quarter, you feel like, all right, you're in the game. It's manageable. You can make some plays. Maybe you call the game differently. You 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 continue to run the football. I I don't know. Like There was opportunity there, and the uh, the game plan just didn't do it. I I don't know. it's It's just frustrating to see something so obvious. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And for them just to not go after it, I, I don't know. J- just think about this: Derrick Henry had two carries in the first half for four yards against a defense that you should be able to. Well, you said they were twenty seventh in the league. Twenty seventh in the league against the run. I'm going to make. I'm going to give you a little comparison, a little analogy here, just to show you and highlight how bad of coaching malpractice that is. Because now I'm actually getting mad just thinking about that. Oh. Two carries. <laughs> I didn't want to blow a gasket today, but now I might have to. There's not a college kid in a dorm room across America right now skipping out on his class on a Monday morning to play Madden on the Xbox One that if he selected the Tennessee Titans to use in an online game against another stoned college kid across America in a <laughs> campus that would use Derrick Henry only two times in the first half. Yeah, that's true. Little yeah, Bobby... Right. 18 years old, away from his parents for the first time, sitting in a dorm room, <laughs> drinking Mountain Dew Code Red, would give Derrick Henry the ball more times in the first half than the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator. Yeah, uh, I mean, and what's funny... Like, I'm shaking now, I'm so angry. I know, and what's it's okay, calm down. Uh, what's funny is that Arthur Smith, 
I guess it took him a half of football to realize God. the same thing because then he gave Derrick Henry seven carries on the, on the first possession of the second half. And what they do? They went right down the field. They went right down the field mm-hmm. and scored a touchdown. So you're going, oh, wait a second. This would have worked from the beginning. I, I don't know. That, that's the frustrating part. And it's not just this game. It, you mentioned this earlier. It's like they used the wrong game plan in the wrong game. They ran the ball right at the at Indomitian Sioux and Vita Vea against Tampa and got negative yards like nine times in that game. And yet they continued to do it. And we even said, hey, hey, good job doing that because what it does is it allows you to set a play action and you're forcing the defense to stay honest, right? Cliche, cliche, cliche. Yep. But, like, at some point you're, you knew you were going to have to attack a bad passing defense against Tampa because you couldn't run the football against them. You knew it was all to set up something else. This, this is one of those where the play action will work as long as Luke Keekley and Shaq Thompson are biting on the play action fake because then you might actually find some, some room to throw the football. But if you're just going to drop back and pass, that's what Carolina wants you to do. So I, I don't know. That, that was the frustrating part. It's just there is, it's, it feels like this offense, not defense, that the offense is ill-prepared when the game starts. And that is a concern. 615-737-1025. Titans calls when we come back here on Morning Drive. It is Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace Marquise with you. Stick to sports coming up at 845. Darren McFarland at 9 o'clock. We'll talk some Preds with him. We'll go around the NFL. We got the big finish. A lot to do for the next hour and 40 minutes. Your Titans call 615-737-1025. Evan is joining us to talk about the Tennessee Titans offense, and I use that word very loosely, the offense. It's kind of yeah. offen- it's a very <laughs> offensive look to the eye. Go ahead, Evan. Yeah, it's, I mean, offense is very generous of you to call it that, but I think what we're seeing is uh, the consequences of going all in on Marcus Mariota. because, in my opinion, Arthur Smith was given the job for the sake of continuity because that's been everyone's biggest, you know, blank check to write to Marcus. Well, he hasn't had continuity. He's had different offense coordinators every year, but Arthur Smith is not the guy for the job, because Derrick Henry is not the second coming of Tech Mobile Bo Jackson, right? He's, he's a running back. He's got strengths. He has weaknesses. But when you give him a hole, he's going to hit that hole by God, and he is going to get to the second level and make some big games. And it, it boggles my mind that Derrick Henry has not been coached to evolve to be a pass catcher, because we've seen all season, Dion comes in, or, or if Derrick comes in, well, they're gonna, you know, he's gonna run or he's gonna pass pro or he's he's not going out of the backfield to catch the ball, and that is, I think, an indictment against the coaching staff. And if you look at the staff, nobody on this staff has any amount of head coaching experience whatsoever. And I don't like, I hate seeing Vrabel put in these situations where he's given like complete reins of the team because he needs help. He is a rookie, well, not a rookie. He's a new head coach that needs some guidance, and we've seen throughout the season, whether it's clock management issues or game time prep, there are very clear signs of a struggling head coach that needs some help, and he's just not getting that. So whether that's, you know, on John Robinson or what have you, it, it, you're absolutely right. It's so frustrating to see this team, which has talent and should be better than they are, struggle weekend week out Evan we appreciate the call and let me just go back to what he said in the beginning mm-hmm. with Arthur Smith got the job for the sake of continuity with Marcus Mariota and that was something that I harped on for days on this show last spring when they made that decision because like I said back then you could not convince me that Arthur Smith was the most qualified guy or the best option for the job he got the jobs for the sake of you know, Marcus and comfort and being used to this and that. 
there were other guys out there with, quote, like you like to say, yeah. skins on the wall calling plays. Well, yeah. Um, they, I don't think Arthur, um, they made a, a, a huge push for Roman. Um, and that's the offensive coordinator for, for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Has he had any success this year? Yeah, in Baltimore paid him. And he chose to stay in Baltimore. Well, I, I yeah. wanted the guy that Baltimore said no thanks to that Greg Roman basically pushed out, which was Marty Morningway. Yeah, Marty Morningway. And, and one of the Marty guys Marty I wanted, away. John DeFilippo, is now calling plays for Gardner Minshew. Yeah, so, I mean, they had their shot, or they took their shot at getting certain guys, and it just didn't work out. So they felt that, okay, if we can't get the guy that we want – um, then let's stick with some continuity and hire uh, Arthur Smith. Um, again, I, I just think he, like Vrabel, is learning on the fly. Um, Vrabel was learning on the fly to be a head coach last season, and it seems like he's still there are still things he is learning as a head coach. And then you couple that with a guy who's never called plays in the NFL uh, with a second-year head coach, that it just and and listen, Arthur Smith. I mean, he's not a bad play caller, uh, but I just think if you if you have the situation that you have, meaning the Tennessee Titans, I think you you are better hiring a more seasoned play caller because you're not basically your quarterback is a lame duck quarterback because he's on the last year of his deal. Um, your offensive line is bad you know they're coming off a bad season and you drafted a guy and you brought in another guy and you don't know if this thing is going to mesh the way it's supposed to and then you know do you have enough playmakers on that offense um so I just think it was a it's not a bad situation for Arthur Smith it's just not an ideal situation uh, for Arthur Smith and you can see that you know He's learning on the fly again. I don't think he's a bad play caller. I just think that he's working with what he got. I, I, I don't think he was hired. I don't think the reason he was hired was continuity. I, I think it was part of the equation. I think, to your point, Derek, they wanted other guys. Mm-hmm. They went and tried to get other people. And they knew all along that if they missed on anybody out there, they knew they could hire. They knew Arthur Smith would say yes, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Arthur Smith was going to say yes. He's put in his time. He's, he, he had worked for five different head coaches. He had been around. He'd coached different parts of the team. Mm. Players loved being around him. He had sort of earned his time, right? It doesn't mean he's going to be successful, but he had sort of earned his time. Um, I, you know, The offensive playbook staying the same and the language staying the same was certainly a positive mm. for, for the quarterback, you know, for, for Marcus. And so that was clearly an, a, a part of the equation. I don't think it was the reason they hired him. I think the reason they hired him is that Greg Roman said no. <laughs> like, I think the reason they hired him is that other people said no um, and that he was one of their better options at that time. And, oh, by the way, part of the positives is that there's some continuity with the quarterback and we don't have to change the playbook or the, or the verbiage or whatever. Um, but along with that came risk of, well, what are you going to be? And, and we said this the second he was hired. We said, you do not know how good somebody is at calling plays until you're in the fire, until you're in and live bullets are flying and you have to design on third and eight in the fourth quarter and you're down by three, you've got to have a play. You And it's got to be like a feeling. It's just a gut, innate ability. I don't, I don't think you can just 
Like I, you can learn and get better as a play caller, but I think you either have it or you don't. Like mm-hmm. it's sort of like a great, you know, like a great shot in hockey or an arm in baseball or football. You you, you kind of like if you're a 99 mile an hour pitcher, that's just a god given gift. Like you, you can't go from 92 miles an hour to 99 miles an hour because you practice really hard. Like mm-hmm. you just you you either shoot 92 percent from the free throw line or you shoot 65 percent from the free throw line. Like, can you get a little bit better? Yeah. But you're not going to go from 70% to 90% because you practice. It's just a God-given thing. And I think play calling in football is a God-given. There's just an innate ability to see how a game is unfolding, understand what the defense is doing, know how to predict what they are doing, and then have a plan in place to counteract what they're doing. And, and oh, by the way, preparation is a huge part of this because clearly the preparation part of it is what we're missing because this team is terrible in the first half. On offense, in general, with Marcus or Tannehill, they're bad. Um, the only reason they were even in the Tampa Bay game is that they were given the football inside the ten yard line twice. Mm-hmm. Let's just call it what it is. Like yeah. they, there was no sustained offensive drives from the Titans against the Bucks at any point during the game until the fourth quarter when it mattered, and there was one really good drive. But they, they get, when you're given the ball on the seven yard line, you know Ryan Tannehill makes one play and Johnu Smith makes a big play and they score a touchdown. That's really important. Being good in the red zone is important, but. You know, you're gifted points in that situation. You're not going to be given that every week, and they weren't given it this week, and they had no adjustment in the first half. It took them till halftime to make the adjustment. 11 penalties, four sacks, three turnovers yesterday. And, Demace, you pointed it out early in the show in the first or second segment, way back in the 6 o'clock hour, that this defense has really no margin for error. They're like a pitcher that knows they need to go out and pitch seven and a third or eight innings and have two runs or less because that pitcher knows he has no run support. And you even alluded to it earlier that, you know, eventually you're going to have that little bit of a divide where the defense says, hey, offense, you're not holding up your end of the bargain. Yeah, and I mean, you would never, they'd never make it public um, because it does nothing for the team if that becomes public. But there is, you know, thoughts in a locker room um, based upon my experience, not to say that it's the five vibe in the locker room, but they're like, listen, we we're holding up our end of the bargain. You know, why isn't the offense putting up points? Um, you don't have to put up a lot. Just put up 23 points. Then you we're going to hold a team under 20. Um, or right at 20, and it's proven. Their defense, minus these last two games, have been just that. They've been holding up opponents under 20 points. And if the offense can't put up 21 points, 23 points consistently, you know, every week, then, I mean, eventually the defense, it starts to wear on everybody. Um, And now you're seeing the last two weeks where, you know, the defense is just tired. Um Teams are starting to figure it out. Um, you know, come November and December and early January, this is what separates the good team from everybody else. Um, is that, you know, the the, the teams that, that have problems or are one-dimensional, they start to separate themselves from the good teams that, that can do it on both sides of the ball. Um, very seldom do you have a team that is just so heavily – you know, whether it's offense. Now, if it's offense in Kansas City, they were a bad defensive team, but they were averaging 100 points a game. So it was hard to keep up with that. But, you know, for the Titans, is you're not scoring points and you expect the defense to come out every day and be flawless, well, every game and be flawless. Well, I mean, I'm so, sorry to say it's not going to happen. And as the as the season goes on, guys get injured, guys get tired. 
it starts to get worse and the defense starts to just it's it's like man what what more do we need to do we can't we can't play perfect every game we did it for y'all for eight games and look where it got us we can't i mean we're going to try to do it but we lost our best defensive back one of our linebackers is hurt i mean we're losing guys and y'all can't help us out it's it's I hate to say this. It's, it's going to be bad, man. It, it really is, especially if another guy goes down on defense. They can't afford that. One chapter came to a close on Saturday night. A new chapter will be written in 2020. That is next here on Morning Drive. It is Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Good to have you in here on a Monday. Nick Braden, D-Mays, and Marquise. Stick to sports is coming up at 845 uh, we're going to actually get to Nashville SC in one moment. One chapter closed on Saturday night. A new one will be written. In fact, a new book will be written coming up in 2020. About Let's squeeze in here Dave real quick who wants to talk. Titans, Dave, you're on Morning Drive. Hey, good morning, fellas. I want to ask you guys this really quickly. Uh, let's get your thoughts on it. I've been trying to put my finger on it for a little while. What's wrong with the Titans? And you, you look at it on paper, and as you guys said, uh, individually, uh, offensive line, for example, they're, they're great players, uh, but as a unit, they are absolutely awful. Uh, they're, they're paying money for guys. There's A.J. Brown. There's, uh, uh, you know, Dory Jackson. There's other guys who, when you look at them, you should say this guy should be a great player, but they're just not here with the Titans. And I wonder if it's the culture there and if it's also uh, a bit of the intangibles. When we talk about things like uh, uh, drive and and a will to win. I, I look at the Titans, I see a lot of journeyman players, I see a lot of good guys, but I don't see a special player. I don't see, I look at McCaffrey, I think of him as a special back, and as much as I love Derrick Henry, he's just a great back, but he's not special. Uh, I, I mean, that, 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 that run that McCaffrey did yesterday, that stop that he did to turn the corner, it's just it's special. And I just don't see us having those guys, and I don't see our culture developing that that passion for winning uh, just the way that I look around the league. I'm watching games yesterday and see guys fired up on the sidelines uh, looking at Mahomes after that kick and then just the drive and the passion there. I don't see that with the Titans. I, I see a lot of good fellas and I see a, a good football team but not a special team. And, I, and, and maybe that has something to do with where we are now. Well, I mean, that's Dave, those are two things that I've pushed back on this show many times. Where They've got a lot of good players, but maybe Jeffrey Simmons will be this guy. But I've been dying to see game-changing impact players. I don't think they have them. And then the whole culture thing. Like I know you guys gave me a bunch of crap for wanting Antonio Brown and wanting this guy and that guy. <laughs> and you guys always say, well, John Robinson's building a culture. And I, I just put my feet up and I say, well, what is the Titans' culture? Well, Mediocrity? I think that's a fair, fair complaint on your part. I, I will say, like, yesterday, for example, on the fourth down play call, like, McCaffrey's a special player. I'm not arguing against that. Sure. But on the fourth down play call where the game is 3 nothing, and on fourth down... Christian McCaffrey's out of the backfield, and Kyle Allen hits him on the flat route, right? You don't have to be special to execute that play. That's Norv mm-hmm. Turner. That is Norv Turner calling a far smarter, better play than anything Arthur Smith did. And, and it, is Kyle Allen better than Ryan Tannehill? Probably not. No, no. no. Uh, so w- w- what's the difference? Like, Deion Lewis could have run that route. Deion Lewis would have been wide open and would have caught that pass. To me, the difference was Norv Turner. North Turner made the right call with the right plays and got his right and got the players into the right positions to succeed. And I'm not trying to hang this all around Arthur Smith's neck because the offensive line is bad, 
I don't believe the quarterback's that good. I, the receivers aren't getting open. Delaney Walker didn't play. Like, we can go down the list. It's all Derrick Henry is sort of a one-dimensional back, but he's very good at that one dimension, and you didn't use it yesterday. We can go down the list of this stuff, but that play call to me stuck in my head. And even Titans players were like, yeah, that was a great call. Like After the game, they were like, dude, they just totally beat us on that play call, which has nothing to do with execution. That has everything to do with, I, I know what you're thinking, and I'm going to outsmart you. And that's what North Turner did on that play. Now, again, that was a short field. They turned the ball over, and it was a short field, I guess. They got the ball in like the 15-yard line. But again, on a fourth and two, a situation where this defense has been great all season, right? Fourth and short, North Turner just totally out-schemed them. And I don't ever get the feeling that this offensive staff, I'll put the whole staff together, this offensive staff is going to do that. You've been around long enough. What is the Titans' culture? Um, an inconsistent culture, media, uh, mediocrity. Uh, that's what it is. That's what it has been. Um, even nine and seven is not, it's, it's mediocre. Um, it's not, that's why they, you know, that's why the whole mantra going from good to great because they know, you know, nine and seven just ain't going to cut it. You know, nine and seven will get you fired. Consistent nine and sevens will get you fired. That's what it will get you. It will say, yes, I had a winning team, but no, I am not the person that's going to elevate this team to pass nine and seven. Um, That's what nine and seven is going to get you. Um, It's almost as bad as being, you know, Four and twelve, so to speak. It, or, it works for two years. Three and thirteen. It, it works for two um, years. Yeah, it works if for you three. Get the, two if you get years. To the playoffs. It works for two years when your when your organization has been, you know, laughing stock. But then after that, it's like, okay, we need more. We need you to do more. And nine and seven last year, and possibly worse than nine and seven this year, yep. just not going to cut it. Um, so the culture of this team is they have an inconsistent culture. They have a culture of, you know, we play good, you know, one game. Then we play bad two games. Then we play good again. Then we beat a team we're not supposed to beat or many say we shouldn't beat. Then we lose against teams we should be should, we should beat. You can't survive like that as a head coach in this league. You just can't. Eventually, the owner will say, I need more. From you, I need more from the GM. That's why I asked Corey that 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 question. Like, you know, if this team finishes worse than nine and seven, does the clock then start? His answer was no. The clock already started, and I believe him. Mm-hmm. The clock has already started on the GM. I don't think, maybe not the head coach, but he hired him. So no, the de- that's, you know that's the point. Like the GM. The second he announced Mike Vrabel as the head coach, the clock started. Yeah, and then the next big chapter of that. Is is the quarterback? So your your two big decisions as as a GM. Obviously, there's a million of other other decisions you got to get right. And I think by and large, he's done a good job drafting. The draft is not where he's been been bad. The free agent signings have not been his best area of of strength. And we'll find out what he does with the quarterback. If he goes and picks the right quarterback, that will make Vrabel look like the right coach, and then they'll win games. But if they don't get the right quarterback and they draft. You know, Justin Herbert with the 14th pick, which, again, I don't think they're going to – not taking Herbert because he's an Oregon player I think is a dumb thing to do. You should not take him because you don't think he's a good quarterback. But if they take a guy who's 12 overall and he's Mitchell Trubisky and he's, you know, below what Marcus gave you for a couple of years, then 
that's it for John Robinson, right? I, I mean, his his career is probably going to be judged on Mike Vrabel and the quarterback decision coming up, whatever that looks like. So Nashville SC season came to a close on Saturday night as Gary Smith's club lost uh, in the semifinals of the USL uh, playoffs. But you know, one door closes, another door opens, and that door that is going to open in 2020 is the MLS. Yeah, and, and certainly a great run. You would have loved to have seen one more win in, in the Eastern Conference Championship setting, which would have been a really cool uh, situation for them. They fall one nothing to Indy 11, a rival there. And, and hey, listen, it was a tough match. You know, Give Indy credit, they won the game. But like you said, it, it was a successful two-year run in the USL. You made the playoffs both years. You launched a new product in Nashville that was by and large viewed as a success. Um, and and now on like you said on to the next chapter bigger and better and let's find out what the roster looks like. Here's the one thing the one thing you need to know if you don't know much about soccer and want to get into it. The, the, here's what makes the NFL so hard is acquisition of talent is equal for all 32 teams and it's very difficult to build a roster that is vastly more superior than another team. That's not how it works in soccer. If John Ingram and the ownership group of Nashville SC and Ian Air, if they want to spend the money to build one of the best rosters in the MLS, they can do it because there are no restrictions. So that that's sort of what you need to know. And they that's why they invested so heavily in the USL. It's why they were good the last two years. There's there's it's sort of on the ownership group to say how much do you want to spend? And if the ownership group wants to spend, then all of a sudden this could be a very good team very quickly right out of the gate in the MLS because they've got a coach who's won a championship. So it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. Um I want to see them because what do we know about Nashville? You're going to stay at the party if it's cool, right? If it's not cool and it's not hot, people are going to leave. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're winning games and you're scoring goals and you've got a good competitive team and you're about to open a new stadium in a couple of years, you better have a good party because you're going to try to charge people to come to that party. Uh, so I, they can do it. It's all about how much do, do they want to invest. And I, and I expect so far – They've done a lot of investing, and I uh, let's see what let's see what it looks like. If I am Nashville SC, I'm sitting down. and I'm saying, okay, I am going to do what the Nashville Predators do. I am not going to do what the Tennessee Titans <laughs> do. That'll get me on the right track to success. And there's no salary cap or guaranteed contracts in in soccer, so you could just buy a bunch of Ryan Johansons and Matt Duchesne's if you want. There you go. You can just go get all of them. There's there's no limitation. If you want to spend the money, go spend the money. So. All right, stick to sports. It's coming up next here on Morning Drive on ESPN 1025 The Game. There's definitely something wrong with the line. Not the telephone line, but the offensive line in Nashville. What would it cost you, Derek Mason, to get under center for one snap with the Tennessee Titans offensive line protecting your, your, your oh, backside? Look at his head's hurting already. You had to pay me like $20 million for that play. <laughs> for one play? Yeah. Don't blame that's, that's a nice, that's <laughs> Willie Taggart's style yeah, of work right there. Exactly. $17 million dollars to not coach our team. Mm-hmm. Give it to me. All right, we're going to give it to you right now. We'll stick to sports. The world is a crazy place. Crazy sounding pretty good right now. Let's lighten the mood. After all that seriousness, <laughs> you're just going to crumple it up and throw it in the trash. Basically. And stick to sports. Now, now on Morning Drive. All right, boys, stick to sports, as always, on Morning Drive at 845, and it's brought to you by D-Mace. The good folks at Decorated Dan Interior stick with the pros at Decorated Dan when you're ready to decorate your home, office, and outdoor spaces. Request a complimentary appointment, which is free, online at decoratingdan.com. <laughs> Number one. What was that at the end? <laughs> Just a remix. Yeah. Remix. All right, so I feel like traveling is not 
a hard thing to do. I feel like when you go to an airport, you go to the gate that you need to go to to get on the plane. You get on the plane. You you know have a layover here in the middle or whatever, or you go straight to your destination. For a former wide receiver by the name of Randy Moss, it's a little difficult because he was going to Bristol, but then he turned out in a different place. I want to give a shout out to everybody in Bristol, Tennessee. <laughs> I had to call. I had to call up here. I had an eight o'clock. I had an eight o'clock meeting. Stopped off at my son's last football game of his senior year. The pilot tells me we have about an hour and five hour and ten minute flight. Cool. I lay back, put my hat over my eyes, lay the visor down. <laughs> Once we land, I'm looking for the Sheridan, uh, the hotel that connects at, at Bradley. I said, Hey, where are we? He said, We're in Bristol. I said, Bristol? Oh, man. Bristol, Tennessee. <laughs> I'm supposed to be in Bristol, Connecticut. So, fans, team, I'm just glad I'm you here. You're here. You're here. You're here. Uh, boys, I mean, you guys know everything with me is a movie and a movie quote. Oh, wow. Randy Moss pulled a Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. Yes. He got on the wrong flight. He didn't land in Florida. He landed in New York City. Oh, wow. Now, so was this a private jet? I uh, guess this is a, a well, no, I mean, this is commercial. Charter. This is commercial, probably first class commercial flight. Well, there yeah. are no flights into. I don't think there are airports in either Bristol, so I don't know. Yeah. You can't fly a big commercial plane into either Bristol. You have to fly into Hartford or I think Knoxville again. Maybe maybe Johnson City. I don't know. I'm assuming this was like a chartered flight because you don't talk to the pilot either normally, right? Like. I don't know. On commercial flights? When's the last I, time you guys talk to the pilot? I'd be very surprised if they're flying guys up for NFL countdown on charter flights. Well, I was assuming Moss was... Yeah, Moss no, was I, I, w- I would be surprised well, if they're doing it for well, anybody. Well, technically, he went to go visit his kids, so he could have took anything. I don't think ESPN was probably paying for That's that. That's what I'm saying. I'm wondering, yeah. So it may have been money. a charter flight, but the fact that he didn't really specify what Bristol he actually wanted to go to. But no. you're a grown man. You get on the wrong flight, that's your fault. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, right? I, I totally agree with you. Like, yeah. you're walking down the runway, you look at exactly. all the, the billboards with, okay, flight departs at this time, arrives at that time. Uh, Randy Moss pulled a Kevin McAllister here. Yeah. Yeah, it's his Even fault. if it was a charter flight, somebody, there was a mix-up. Somewhere. Somebody. What, 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 like, I guess does he just assume when he says Bristol that he doesn't know that there's another, like... He just, everybody, I have one, everybody knows that I'm going to Bristol, Connecticut. Well, there, uh, there's a Bristol in Pennsylvania as well. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of Bristols. But what's funny is, so you see Randy Moss getting on your flight, and obviously you see him on TV if you watch, you know, ESPN on you know, NFL, and you see Randy Moss is like, what the why why the hell is he going to Bristol, Tennessee? Like, don't you ask yourself that question? Why is Randy right. Moss going to Bristol, Tennessee? I mean, he's a country boy, who likes to fish. I don't know. Maybe he's going to Thunder Valley there. Who knows? Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of, you know, rap. Racing up there. I, and uh, I actually, speaking, like racing. speaking of racing in Bristol, racing Tennessee, team? isn't there a Randy Moss who does NASCAR announcing? I believe. Yeah. I, I think there's a Randy Moss who does NASCAR and horse racing. Well, I, isn't I'm there? pretty sure Randy, this Randy Moss right. is into racing as well. Oh, is so, he? So, yeah, I want to say he's in that. Is it Brad Edwards? Brad Doherty. Brad Doherty, Brad the Doherty, former basketball former player who also loves NASCAR. Yeah. So. How about that? Yeah, just uh, uh, like, uh, what, what do you do? Like, so the quote is, stopped off at my son's last football game of his senior year. That sounds like the pilot was like making a pit stop so he could watch his son's football game and then like continuing en route to Bristol. Like, I there's, so much, there's so many questions I have about this. <laughs> great wide receiver, man. Horrible yeah, travel. Straight cash, homie. He can catch footballs, not planes. Number two. 
All right, fellas, the sensation is back. Now I'm talking. I mean, this is oh, this is the biggest sensation <laughs> since the British invasion and in music. The spicy chicken sandwich yeah, yeah. at Popeyes is back. It is oh, back. Hell. And look, it actually helps out because you know. Remember, we said what's in the sandwich, right? So Deshaun yeah, Watson, Deshaun Watson did a post game interview and he asked what helped heal his eye. How's the eye doing? Uh, the eye is great. Uh, you know, I got some. Uh, I tell you the key. The key is it was the Popeye spicy chicken sandwiches that I ate this week that, that helped the eye. So <laughs> make sure. You know. There's a nice little plug. What a shameless. He got some money for that one. He saw that Montez Sweat commercial. He was like, he ain't the only one that can so, make these commercials. My favorite part of this all is fast food beef. We've got fast, not not actual beef because we know that's not a thing, but like fast food beef here because they clearly launched this this chicken sandwich on Sunday for a reason. Who who do they compete with? Who's their number one competitor? Um, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Who's not open on Sunday? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. They, well, com- they are clearly going right after well, Chick-fil-A, when they which announced, is awesome. When they announced that the spicy chicken sandwich was coming back, so you know when you're, when you're traveling on the road, they got exit here for these different restaurants so their hype video was it was a chick-fil-a logo and their logo and then they like took the new label on there and it says open sunday right next to the chick-fil-a oh, yeah. video oh yeah so it gets real stefan diggs had the spicy chicken is back like cleats yesterday no wonder why the vikings lost pretty bad yesterday too so let me let me ask you guys right uh, here because you guys know i love a good power ranking so chick-fil-a Popeyes, KFC, Zaxby's. What what is your go? If you're none, going none to above. lower yourself, none to of that. the above. But if you had to, I know you. you he, he's both. You don't want to eat processed no, stuff. No, I'll buy. I'll buy local because I know it'll be. Oh Jesus! You, what, you, what, can't, you just, can't you just answer the question? Well, I don't like any of them. You don't like any of them? No. You would never eat any of them. No, not never. Like if I'm going to die. That's what I'm saying. So I'll if, you, go if you had to eat one, which one are you going? Probably I Zaxby's. Chick-fil-A. I think first. Zaxby's is very underrated. But it's very then but it's very pricey. Chick, it is. Chick-fil-A then Zaxby's and then the other ones. Like I just am not a, I'm just not a huge Chick-fil-A fan. I think Chick-fil-A is overrated. I think it's a little overrated as well. I'll go Chick-fil-A then I'll go Zaxby's, Popeyes, and I pr- I have to throw Bojangles in why there. Why Chick-fil-A? Why why are they better? And there's there's chicken sandwiches are It's amazing. just fr- it's a frozen patty out of a truck. I don't know, it's the same same stuff as everywhere else. Hey, they're still amazing. <laughs> I, they, so they <laughs> Whatever it's, they do to it, it's good. And the thing is it's still better than most fast food. Like I admit that it's it's better than fast food. What I don't understand though to the overrated portion, like why are people in line for an hour for yeah. fast food? Like that's what I don't understand. And, why um, are you sitting in line for an hour for this? What at at, at any um, of them? Popeyes? I don't Chick- know. No, Chick-fil-A drive-thru? Chick-fil-A no, you, you it's drive- worse than Starbucks. Drive past any Chick-fil-A yeah. and there's six cars already in line. And I'm like, why would you I wait mean, that long for that? I don't understand. That's at every establishment that people deem the establishment good. I mean, they're going to wait just like down, you know, you go to downtown at the chicken spot downtown. People are waiting in line See, for it. Is it but that's, like, but that's get, worth it, though. Like That's, I mean, that's like actually made hot chicken in... I, get, I understand, but, it, but people it, say it's worth it for Chick-fil-A. But here's the thing, like... Yeah, I guess. As annoying as it is sitting for 28 minutes in a drive-thru at Starbucks, uh-huh. it's for coffee, and coffee is an everyday consumption for most people that drink coffee. Mm-hmm. Not everybody eats Chick-fil-A every single Some day. Some people do. And they're closed on Sunday. Some people do eat it Monday through Friday, maybe not Saturday. I, they won't be I, living I, for lunch. much longer I just, if they do. For lunch. I just love that there's like, there's like 
chicken beef in the fast food world that we've yeah, got. Yeah, when did the chicken wars start? We, we've got this Popeye's Chick fil A thing that's now. I don't now know what they put battling. in that chicken sandwich, but people, well, are, people, people are losing their minds. Deshaun Watson's eyes. People are losing their everlasting minds. It fixes your vision. I don't know if you guys watch the Boondocks, but there's an episode of the Boondocks where it like people become addicted to this chicken. <laughs> it's like a KFC knockoff chicken, yeah. and people become addicted to it, and everybody's fighting. It's just. Well, it that's just, what's going by the on way, right now. We just had this long conversation. Conversation, you asked to rank all this stuff and did not mention KFC. No, like, I mentioned KFC. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, like the OG fried chicken place, and it's... I used to like the popcorn chicken back in the day. Oh, that's just not real. Oh, my God. I know. I, don't get me wrong. I love a... But you're, talking, give, you're give, talking to a guy who drinks vodka every day like me, it's his job. Give so. me a fried... <laughs> Health isn't really my issue. A fried chicken thigh. <laughs> a fried chicken thigh made well is about the most delicious thing you'll ever taste in your life, and it will kill you. But God, it's so delicious. Do you like dark meat over white meat? Dark meat over white meat, 100%. Really? It's more flavorful. It is flavorful. It's not even... Like, and ask, it's more moist. Ask any chef on the planet, they'll tell you. There's, there's more flavor in dark meat than there is in white meat. I've always been a breast guy myself. Who doesn't? I'm like? a thigh guy. Give me the thigh. Breasts are good. This is the good. This is the Thighs good. are good. This is this is why the wife and I have a great time eating chick, whole chickens. Uh, she'll eat all the white meat. I'll eat all the dark meat. We're good to go. There you go. No arguing over chicken parts. You ever go to the grocery store and buy a chicken already made, like in the rotisserie? Yeah, okay. It's good for ki- it's good for the kids. Mm-hmm. Like we, it's real super easy to grab one of those and then use it for kids' lunches and stuff. But we, I do the uh, like the whole chicken on the green egg. You just put two of them, like two of those little young chickens, mm-hmm. throw them on the egg. It's hard for me to do that. Oh, you don't like meat? Well, you don't eat no, meat. even when I did. Or poultry. Even when I did. You I, eat I, salmon. I want, to, I want to cook it. I don't want somebody else to cook it. I'm just weird about people cooking food. Uh, yeah, I like Especially I, when I, I like, don't see them cook it. I like cooking it better, uh, too. It smells you, good going down the aisle. Because when you, you know, it's, it just, it's just weird. <laughs> it does. You know, some people have their dogs in the kitchen, cats on the counter. But, don't wash their hands. Let me no, add. I'm not dealing with that. I don't want your food. Well, how many cats are on the counter at, like, the Publix? I'm just saying. Like, are there cats saying, in the back? No, like, what are, no, I'm who's saying, running Publix? No, I'm saying people's food in general. It's like, man, I don't know. I don't trust people's macaroni. Oh, I'm not eating everybody's macaroni. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you, got, you know what? All three of you. Yeah, what's going on with my you, guys? you guys are all snobs. No, no, I no, just don't. Some people Derek are not. Clean. Clean. I, got, I, got, I got news for you. Derek is clean. We're all going to die from something. I know, but some yeah. people. I don't want to. So live your best life. I don't want to die on somebody else's restaurant. I think was it Friday, and and this is not about the chef or anything, but this shows you how nasty people are. Walk into the restroom. Three other guys in there. Use the bathroom. Boom, boom, boom. A lot of dudes. You want to boom, boom, boom? I'm waiting. You know how you got to wait in line sometimes. There's only two stalls. So I wait in line, boom. So two dudes leave. They just leave right out the bathroom. Nobody say, washed their hands? You nasty little jokers. Joker. You nasty. Y'all just nasty. And you just watch them eating like a chicken yeah, breast. Yeah, putting their fingers <laughs> all in so, their mouth. I, I realized something. So you nasty. Just wash your hands. I had another observation at a restaurant recently that I am not weirded out by a hair. In my food. Oh, I'm weirded out by hair. If I see a it hair food, I will not eat anything. You don't even bring does, me anything. Like, oh no, I'll I'll tell the manager. I'll be like, hey, this is because I want my money back. Like I'll tell, but like I, it doesn't. No, nah, I'm not eating the food for whatever reason. I'm not grossed out by it. Like, you just eat around it. So, no, 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 no. You just no. Take I'll, it off. I'll, I'll throw it away. But if I'm looking at a plate of food, like I'll I'll let the manager know, like kind of to the side. I'm not trying to like call mm-hmm. anybody out because it's not like the waiter's fault that it happened. It's somebody in the back's fault that it happened, I'm right? So when you see a hair, you call someone and be like, hey, there's a hair in my food. And he's like, well, I'm still going to eat this, though. So, <laughs> no, it's, it's more about like if you, if you get it home, if you've taken it home or whatever. Like if I'm in the restaurant, I'll say something. But if, you've get it, if you get it home and I've got this whole plate of food and that's my meal, 
I'm throwing it and away. And I throw the hair away? Like, I'm not I'm, touching it. I'm, it, throwing, a, so I'm, I'm throwing everything away. I'm in the minority. I'm clearly I in the minority on this. <laughs> maybe 20 or $30, but I'm throwing everything away. It just doesn't gross me out. Even if I see flies over the food, I'm not eating it. Like at a cookout, it flies over the food, not touching it. Are they it. touching it or are they just flying around? If they touch because you know they're not just flying over it. They're going to sit down. <laughs> the minute I see, so I have to be the first person in line to get my food. <laughs> If I'm not the first person in line, I see flies on it. I'm not touching that. That's just where I am, man. You're not, not invited to my picnic. I'm not touching it. It's like <laughs> put some over the food. to contain. Put plastic or some over the food. Cover the food. And people, when you get your food, cover it back up. Okay? And, yeah. Because half of the time, people don't fully illuminate. Like yeah. use the full yeah, yeah. aluminum foil, just, leave the spot it, open. But you just put it on top. <laughs> yeah, you just, you don't actually seal it. This but that's be- but that's better than nothing, though. Like just putting the foil on top and just sitting it there is still better than nothing. Yeah. You open it up. There's flies in there. No, no one. Well, if there's flies in there, I'm not eating it either. But I don't have to be first in line, Derek. I got to be first in line. I got to see the food. It's got to be. I got to see the food. (laughs) Who who cooked this? I got to know who cooked it. Folks, you wonder why I drink vodka. (laughs) Darren McFarland, Preds Talk, next.